Welcome to the Neurodiverse Love Podcast. I'm Mona, and I was married for 30 years in that relationship for 32, and we didn't find out that we were a neurodiverse couple until our 29th year of marriage. And I've been divorced five years, and together we have an amazing adult daughter who's thriving and doing terrific. And today I am so excited to be doing another collaborative podcast with my colleagues from the UK, Heather Parks and Natalie Roberts from Loving Difference. Welcome, ladies. I'm looking forward to our chat. Hello. (laughs) I'll I'll introduce myself. I'm Heather Parks. I've been navigating differences in my relationship and family for 25 years, along with my husband, Phil, and our four children. Um, For much of this time, neurodiversity was unknown, and there were challenges and struggles for all of us. I discovered new ways of navigating difference so that we can be true to ourselves and I can thrive in my neurodiverse family. I'm now an accredited somatic coach and nervous system educator helping others to heal so that they can be the best versions of themselves and thrive too. Hi, and I'm Natalie Roberts. I've been in a neurodiverse relationship and family with my husband Pete for 25 years. We discovered neurodiversity was a part of our story back in 2014 when we were really struggling as a couple and a family. And now we're thriving, enjoying life in ways I just couldn't have imagined back then. I'm also an accredited relationship coach, supporting individuals and couples in neurodiverse relationships to reverse the impact of unknown neurodiversity and thrive in a relationship and a life that they're dreaming of. Nine years ago, when Natalie and I were struggling most, we found much needed validation and understanding in the support groups and professional support we accessed. Sadly, though, we also experienced some blaming and stuckness in many of the groups we joined and some professional support that either made things worse or lacks the insight into our lived experience or much needed healing and solutions that could create sustainable change. We were both working on reversing the impact of unknown neurodiversity, finding new ways to resolve what are complex everyday relationship and family challenges without our partners involved. And we want you to know that you can change your whole experience by focusing on yourself and without needing to change anyone else. And we also realise that this journey is about so much more than new or more knowledge. So fast forward to 2018, we became the professionals we needed as accredited coaches so that we could support others with our own journey into this unknown territory. And in 2020, we created the community we needed in Love and Difference. Together, we now host Revival Retreat, the online journey for a flourishing life in your neurodiverse relationship with a map, empowering resources, tools, and all the support you need to recover, create sustainable change, and be you in your relationship and your life. Loving Difference and Revival Retreat are for everyone, whatever your neuroidentity. What we all have in common is wanting new ways to thrive in our neurodiverse relationships. So thank you, um, Mona, for having us. We're really excited yeah. to be here. So good to be back. Yes, I love it. And I want to tell the listeners, for those that have not attended or seen the presentations from the Neurodiverse Love Conference that was held back in February. Both Heather and Natalie presented at the conference and uh, you are still able to purchase the presentations. You can go to my website at neurodiverselove.com. There are 27 amazing presentations and Heather and Natalie, yeah, we're two of the amazing presenters. So 
Ladies, I know we have had so many fabulous conversations. And I know um, our last episodes, we talked a lot about myth busting. And we're going to do the same thing again today. So thank you for sharing a little bit about your journey and your Loving Difference community and the Revival Retreat, which I'm sure lots of folks will check out. And Loving Difference, the community, the online community is free but there's a charge for revival retreat. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's correct. Fantastic. So we're going to go over um, three myths that we're going to address. And I think we're going to bust today yeah, from sure. our own perspectives. But the first one I want to talk about, and this is one that I think is going to hit really close to home for a lot of folks. And that is that neurodiversity is the problem and as that's not going anywhere change change will be limited so this is a myth right that neurodiversity is the problem Mm -hmm. and as that's not going anywhere change will be limited so that's what i believed yeah (laughs) (laughs) me too i thought i've got the answer now yeah yeah, and then i thought oh dear so that that's that then i'm stuck so that, that was very much my um, experience when I discovered that that was part of our story. Um, and it felt kind of, um, it was validating and it was uh, a good information and it was helpful in some ways. And then I kind of hit a bit of a slump. I kind mm. of fell down a hole because I just felt really unable to, ch- I just felt really stuck. I felt unable to create change then. Mm. Yeah. So, Heather, do you think neurodiversity was the only problem in your marriage? Absolutely not. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> we, we, you know, we talk, uh, uh, you know, it was one absolutely not um, going to take away or invalidate people's experience. It, it was definitely um, creating some of the challenges that we had in the differences in the way we perceive things and um kind of we talk in love and difference a lot about a seesaw of difference you know it just made all of the differences more pronounced um however there were so many other things going on and what i hadn't um accounted for at all was just what i was bringing to the picture i i hadn't really looked at myself at all i hadn't um done any of the kind of like awareness around I just didn't have any self-awareness to be honest I just kind of saw a problem being over there someone didn't um behave act think um see things as I did and then so therefore has tendency to want to go and fix and change and 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 it wasn't at all I didn't really um look at myself and it was really empowering to do so I mean this is the message it's not about then shifting all the blame over to yourself it's not about that it's just about oh, okay, so this is something that I am doing. I do have some patterns here. There's some there's some things that were going on even before the relationship even began mm-hmm. that I, I can recognize that I was doing before. So it wasn't actually anything to do with the relationship. Um, these were patterns of, of things that I developed as a child, as adaptive strategies, as ways of armoring up and protecting myself in the world. So there was a whole load of that. There was a whole load of my own kind of... Um, ways I communicated, a whole lot of expectations and beliefs around relationships. Um, And there was just so many things, my kind of like 
not being okay if other people were okay and my tendency to kind of like have to do something about that rather than being able to tolerate any of my own discomfort um there's so much I mean Natalie come in and help me out there's so much it's so big isn't it <laughs> you'll be like yeah. Oh. yeah well I just think we're also not um I always talk about the three the, the sort of three things the main three things so neurodiversity helps us know that well unknown we always say it's unknown neurodiversity that's been contributing something we haven't known about what's been going on and I think it's really important to pop that in front of it because it's that not knowing I think that's that's really key uh, to a lot mm -hmm. of this and then the um, unhealthy relationship dynamics I mean I think we could all probably have done with more education about relationships generally <laughs> growing yeah. up Ex even our we expectations around yeah. that and maybe everything. we Maybe we weren't, maybe we didn't have particularly great modeling of healthy relationships growing up. So, something, there's definitely something around uh, um, unhealthy relationship dynamics that are going on and not necessarily having better ways to, to understand or to, to deal with those. Um, and I also think the other piece is just the ongoing stress, the, the symptoms and the impact of the stress from not knowing um, and those unhealthy relationship dynamics that contributes to a lot of stress in the relationship, which often for the, for people that find us, they've been in those relationships, you know, not always a long time, but often a long time, sometimes more than 20 years, sometimes more than 30 years, sometimes more than 40 years. And, and that's a long time to have been living in those things. So if we only, if we only then perceive neurodiversity itself to be the problem we find ourselves ignoring or overlooking or just not realizing that there's a lot of other things that um need just need our attention um so that and those are all things that we can absolutely do lots and lots of things about it and it makes me really i think what's made me really frustrated and sad quite recently is the number of people that I'm hearing from who are either have known about neurodiversity in their relationship for a long time and still believe this myth, mm -hmm. or they're just, just discovering it in their relationship or in themselves and they believe this myth. When there's been 10 years nearly since Heather and I have discovered this and it feels like the narrative or the, the, the truths haven't changed, haven't shifted to include what to us has become very obvious um and and that's part of why i think we want to talk about this more because it really it yes yeah, frustrating and saddening that people are, are still discover, discovering this myth and then believing that really nothing much can change and that the the person or themselves if you know that, that that's the that's the real problem here and and sadly it, it is only a small part of it yeah. Oh, you know, I'm just I'm writing notes as you both are talking <laughs> because you hit on so many things. Mm. And so first, I want to talk about the self-awareness piece. Mm. I think that is that mm. is number one for mm. me, because I really had to understand what I brought into my marriage mm. and how I contributed to mm. the stress and the mm. conflict and the high mm. emotions and all that mm. stuff. And I've talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. But I really think 
as long as I pathologized and, and I did, even before I knew that we were a neurodiverse couple, you know, I looked at what my ex wasn't doing that I was able to accomplish or I was able to do well and didn't focus on his strengths. And I'm not saying that, you know, we didn't both have a role in the end of our marriage. We absolutely Mm. did Mm. but I needed to focus on what I was doing and what I Mm. could do differently Mm. and have done that in any every relationship thereafter which is great Mm. because when we know better we can do better Mm. yeah the other thing that I think is really important that you all um, talked about is the pathologizing piece because Mm. we all have different brains right Mm. so once we understand that we all have different brains and instead of looking at our partner's brain or our brains through that more pathologizing model and instead look at the strengths of each of our brains Mm. and Mm. the differences and then the challenges we have to really focus on are those challenges that I'm willing to work on? Um, Is my partner willing to work on any of the challenges? What do I have control over? And what do I not have control over? Because the thing that I repeatedly say is we suffer. Mm. We suffer so much Mm. when all we do is focus on the neurodiversity piece Mm. in our relationship Mm. Mm. yeah 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 i mean we like we we tend to say i mean it's my belief that 80 percent of the issues are other than neurodiversity so if you're only focusing on neurodiversity to try to solve the challenges you're missing 80 percent of what's going on yeah And, And, and actually you know i think that's massive it's a massive 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 thing i think yeah. And, and I don't, what a great research project that would be now. Yeah. If somebody actually looked at, mm. you know, a, a group of couples and looked at mm. the problems they're having mm. and actually looked at what percentage are, mm. are related to what Heather mm. talked about, like, mm. you know, childhood wounds and patterns yes. from your family of origin. And I know this is Heather's area, you know, somatic wounding mm-hmm. and emotional dysregulation and all those other things that are more related to how you grew up mm-hmm. or how you were in your most important relationships, maybe as mm-hmm. a child or in other intimate or romantic relationships and be a great research project for somebody mm-hmm. that's listening, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's certainly been our experience, um, both our own experience. And now that we have better understanding and better ways to notice how often is it is neurodiversity really featuring like when you have better ways to see and understand everything um yeah really it's just it's just yeah it's massively interesting to be uh, have a very different uh, lens on it once you've got some different um ways to right. handle it you know Right. And different understanding about yourself Mm. and your partner Mm. and how different brains work. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Anything else that either one of you say, want to say about that myth, which I think we've busted. (laughs) I think we've definitely busted it. I I think, you know, for me, I've always came into it, like, you know, really from a kind of nervous system point of view and and kind of this idea that um, was so fundamental for me underlying it and, um, and you know and also where natalie's come from with the kind mm. of like some of our 
narratives and our beliefs mm. and values and stories and, yeah. and uh, kind of we're really marrying those together and we do really see that those things this desire for safety and connection um in in whatever way we need and and feels right for us combined mm. with kind of really looking at some of um you know our foundations and where we've come from is such an important part of the work that to yeah to focus so narrowly on on neurodiversity or to to, to make a big thing about the difference is 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 we're losing ourselves in that and um yeah. and, and it's less you know actually we've got much more control over how we are when we focus on ourselves because like you say you know what can we influence what can we control are we that's ourselves isn't it really um more than anything else so yeah that's a really yeah. big big really important to us as well and i think it's um it is a real like can do kind of situation. Yeah. Like, oh, it's yeah. suddenly you've got hope and all these things that you can you can start focusing on. And, I think um, it. I was going to say Heather. I think it also goes quite a way beyond brains as well because I think what we realise is that it's it's um it's it's so it's it's like how you experience so many other things other than just what you think or what your brain's doing. It's it's it goes way i just think it's where it's bigger again it's, it's more the about expanding that to your body and your culture yeah. and how you're interacting with Body your too. yeah it, so many things i think yeah yeah, yeah. again it's, yeah yeah it's make it bigger about also we get away a, a, a bit of distance between just focusing on on difference because and actually mm. kind of like changing that because we will try and kind of like work out what is our relationship being in difference you know mm. how do we hold space for that how do we mm. interact with it and and so there's so many things you can do even even when we're working with difference you know mm. to, to make an improvement in our relationships and our connections with each other mm. yeah mm. yeah I so agree and Heather I love that you've gotten certified as a somatic coach because you know, as I've moved on into other relationships, I know absolutely that the mind-body connection is so critical. Mm. And I think sometimes it's hard for folks to tap into what are they feeling mm. and what is going on in their bodies and how mm. that connects to their thinking and their actions or reactions. Mm. And yeah, so I love that. And and I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about what you do as a somatic coach and how that work looks in, you know, a neurodiverse relationship or for somebody that might have, you know, differences that they aren't aware of. Do you want to talk at all about that? Yeah, it's so broad. And like you say, it's really this this kind of idea of, of integration where we're really thinking about, you know, mind body um, as one um, and we're not trying to separate them. So this isn't about now going into body work and it's all about the body and, and our and our minds. and We've not got nothing to do with it either. It's it's about getting that integration between the two. And there's so many different modalities, so many different ways of approaching that. And sometimes when we can tune into the wisdom of the body and 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 allow our minds maybe just to just switch off for a bit and um, and not get there first, you know, we can just tap into some things, you know, about our own intuition and. Um, but we have to be so aware of the of the mind stuff too. We need to know what's in our foundations because one of the things is you hear a lot. Oh, we need to like tune in more. We need to trust our gut reaction. Well, if we're really in a state of fight, flight, freeze, fawn you know, flop, you know, those, those things, the intuition that you're getting is going to be very influenced in, in, from a lack of safety. Uh-huh. So the decisions that you make and, and the intuition that you're gaining from your body is going to be very different from if you can shift into a, a much more 
connected and healthy and integrated states. So really what we're trying to do as a somatic coach is help people shift nervous system states or have a, have greater flexibility between their nervous system states, be very aware which one they're in and how that impacts them and how that changes how they think and perceive and um, how they approach the world and the relationships and life. Um, and, and just give them that um, ability to know what practices because it's really individual as well so knowing which practices help them to move from one state to another and and giving them more choice more flexibility more ability to pause particularly create space between the stimulus and our reaction i mean that's what we want to be able to do is so that we'll be able to be much more mindful in our responses to people yeah and act from um, a much healthier more loving, more compassionate way to ourselves and to other people. Um, and that's what I love to, to help people to do. And um, it connects so well with everything that we do in, in inside Love Indifference. And sometimes we get the um, amazing aha, you know, kind of awareness that comes in from, from some of our resources. And then, of course, you can have some frustration because your body lags behind, doesn't it? Because your body is habitualized into it. The reacting just like our thoughts have been before we can we want to we need to be able to intercept them both you know so our thoughts go to their regular patterns and our bodies go to their regular patterns and and gradually we we can reteach them that's the thing we've got neuroplasticity yeah. and we can and teach our bodies and our minds to do things and 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 be different so um yeah, yeah. so just about helping a, helping yeah. everyone have a um you know better time that's it. That's all it is. Let's get everyone to have a better Be you time. and have a better time. Yeah. That's it. I love that. I love that, Heather. And, and I'm going to give the listeners just an example of something that I did and how I shifted, because I think sometimes it's helpful to have that concrete example. So, you know, in my marriage of 30 years, I was very reactive when when my ex didn't come home at the time he said he was going to come home and he was running an hour late. He'd walk through the door and my immediate reaction or I should say, yeah, reaction, not response was to scream. Right. So I was dysregulated from the time he told me he wasn't coming home at a certain time until he walked through the door and I dysregulated him. And so together we were a dysregulated couple sometimes for the rest of the night. Mm. In my next you know, relationship, after doing a lot of healing and a lot of work, I was able to put boundaries in place. Mm. So that when my next partner became dysregulated, he was much more dysregulated than I was, then I could say to him, when you're communicating with me like that, I can't hear you. So I'm going to step away and I'm going to go into the room. I'm going to go for a ride. And then, you know, when I come back, if you're ready to have a conversation, you know, that's calm and respectful. I'll continue the conversation. If not, then, you know, we'll continue to pause until we're both regulated. But gosh, did it take me a long time to be able to have that kind of conversation. Mm. And in the beginning, you know, um, he pushed back, you know, mm. he wanted to be able to scream and be dysregulated and not for me to protect myself with my own boundaries. <laughs> and so I just want the listeners to know that none of this stuff is easy. And no. the change doesn't happen overnight, no. but there is a way to create more 
peace and balance and regulation in yourself, which then mm. impacts all your relationships, mm. right? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I think it's a great segue, um, Mona, into the second myth, because yes. um, I was thinking as you were talking there about um, an example of where I... I can I can see where I've needed. To, I mean, I've, I can't remember. The, I mean, I've lost count of the number of things I've wanted to change and sort out. But I can remember one for myself that um, where I again had to do that process that you're describing. And our our second myth is about thinking that you you would either need to leave to do this stuff, or that you you need your partner that you're with on board with all of this in order for anything to change mm-hmm. um and we're great advocates of um of the fact that if you focus on yourself um you can change your whole experience by focusing on yourself and not needing to change anyone else and my my example i was thinking of was how um my reactions used to be in conversations with um my husband about um oh, i don't know any number of different things but generally i would get into those conversations particularly maybe where we were we would be in disagreement or where there was something that i had a value about or something was important to me um i would become i just always say discombobulated so i mm. would become quite discombobulated very easily feel mm. quite confused um find it difficult to have a response to what they're saying sort of see a sense in which they're answer is valid but now I've kind of lost connection with my truth quite easily and then I sort of just sort of freeze I I kind of then don't I would not talk really and sort of uh, go into that mode and then generally sort of defer or sort of bend or kind of just not really know what to do with that Um, Mm -hmm. and that would then I mean that could be in, in lots of different things and then or on the same topic remember it in relation to holidays in relation to financial expenditure um various things where i would just find myself in a complete tiz with conversations about some of these things and then learning how to be more regulated have much more clarity of thought before and be able to titrate that so go i'd have to do it with things to begin with that weren't necessarily that important um in order to do that but as heather's saying it was definitely about being able to be steadier in the discomfort of for a while so i could change my thinking and have a more clarity about what i'm thinking but my body is struggling to catch up with that because it's it used to doing a thing that would hopefully just get me out of it as soon as possible and mm. and gradually like you're saying gradually being able to sit with that and change have that all catch up with you so that with practice you can you can be in a very different state and it have a very different outcome to that kind of a situation without the other person changing or knowing or even doing or doing anything at all um and now i can be much more much much steadier with clarity of thought and steadiness in conversations where there's something of importance to me and and know where what's okay what's not okay and and handle that in a much healthier way that actually on the other side ends up having a much healthier response as well it's really clever stuff um yeah yeah, i love it another example i think of doing it inside of the 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 relationship you know and similar similar processes you're describing yes i love it and as well for me it was very much about you know sort of what i realized as well is how by me being steadier and, and 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 being able to 
to, to sort of connect with the calmness and to kind of stop all anything else kind of like getting to me all the time mm. I was very I was very very um quickly impacted by other people's emotional responses yeah. so I would dysregulate really really quickly and of course then then that would then but we've got seven there's seven nervous systems including a dog in this household so yeah. that would kind of reverberate through the household like you know like dominoes going you know one person and it would just go up and up and we would and what I really um valued and, and what I learned is that I actually had so much um influence by being able to kind of um do this work and by um reducing my own reactivity it was like being a firebreak in the household so I could stop it spreading I'm not saying that I could stop everyone else having their their own reactions because of course I, I don't have that much power or control <laughs> um but what I could it was almost like a fire break I did feel that once once I'd recovered and, and I had more capacity I, I do feel that I managed to reduce the amount of general reactivity with everyone firing off each other um, quite considerably and, mm. and so that everybody was starting to have a better experience in the household as well so you know for those of you that may be having children mm. as well who struggle with regulation um, it's a real gift to to not only get yourself into that that where you can do that for yourself but also to then have enough capacity to do that for other people to the extent that you're able to is a real gift to to share around the household as well i found it um yeah yeah really beautiful. yeah thank you thank you for that yeah because you know oftentimes if one of the parents is neurodivergent then mm -hmm. you're going to have neurodivergent children mm -hmm. and you know it's not necessarily autism it could be other types of neurodiversity so those are great examples and and strategies that you all use so mm -hmm. i think that second myth I need to get my partner on board for anything to change mm. it is a myth mm. but I you know speaking from the other side I do know that in my marriage especially at the end I felt that there was too much emotional abuse and I, I do <laughs> call it abuse because yeah, yeah. And I've shared how my marriage you know how I decided to finally um move yeah. forward on a divorce yeah. and I think that all the listeners have to be aware of what is going on in their relationship is it abuse is it emotional abuse are you experiencing physical abuse yeah. and that's not because of neurodiversity that is because the person that you're with is not probably willing to acknowledge how they are reacting to certain overwhelm or differences or what have you. And nobody has to stay in a relationship. And I hope that you will get help if you are experiencing any kind of emotional or physical abuse or even financial abuse. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to share that kind of as a social worker among the three of us, yes. because I know, I know there are lots of folks that talk about that and it's yeah. not because of neurodiversity. It's because of so many other issues, but yeah, nobody ever has to stay in a relationship when there's abuse going on. So yeah, anything, yeah, anything else you want to, um, add about the piece about I need to get my partner on board for anything to change uh, I think yeah well just just to say you know kind of I think it's about um 
because sometimes that also can feel like a really hopeless stuck place isn't it because if you can't get your partner on board or they don't want to go into to couples therapy or they don't want or, or you know or they don't, have they don't want to try out they don't want to try found. yeah because and, 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 and to be quite honest you know they may have already done that and felt that it was quite damaging and pathologizing mm. and and not for them and uh, mm. having had that experience as a couple ourselves I don't think that I can uh, blame anyone for that so um but I think it's about you know finding ways so that just want the message out there that it, it, that's okay because this is mostly about you know working on yourself or at least work on yourself first you know so we ask some questions mm. around you know um, who have I become and you know who am I and and um, and we do quite a lot of that work and before we even begin to kind of put to the relationship together so I think that that's something quite different about the way we work it's very yeah. much about let, let's get steadier and stronger and more in you know tuned into our own inner knowing and our own um our own happiness um yeah. and start looking at that before we start even kind of like looking at the the dynamic between people yeah absolutely I think I'd, I'd say the same and I think we have people arrive with us whether it's in private coaching or or into loving difference or the retreat who are you know different situations either they might be committed currently to staying in their relationship regardless of what's going on in it there's a commitment there others are questioning the you know the state do I stay do I go question many people come with that we're very comfortable with that question um others who are on the verge of breaking up or maybe or even who've already already separated and wanting to you know either get some help around recovery or figure out like last what's the is that have i missed any bases you know and and i think it's very much about recognizing that this is about having a place to get well again and then make decisions that are right for you from that version of you who is well um, and I think the the other piece around um, even around leaving, particularly if you're in an environment that's harmful and, you know, both of us have some um, experience of those things, um, is that uh, the, the, you know, the research also shows that um, it can take someone seven times <laughs> to, to yeah. go and often or, or to, you know, go and then they come back. And, you know, that that's a dynamic as well that goes on. And I think it's because we're flighting or we're, 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 we're doing that, but we haven't got steady and good with ourselves in order that we could make the, the cl have the clarity of decision from the best part of us, best version of us, and then make that decision and move and, um, uh, what do you say, follow through on that with, with confidence. And I think that's what we, you know, that's really what we want to support. We're very comfortable at the edges of a relation of our relationship. We've, certainly I've been at the edge of my um, marriage at least three times. So we're comfortable at that edge so that you, our members and explorers can, um, again, find safety in that and, and have ways mm -hmm. and questions and resources to be able to, um, really have time and space to think about that. Maybe even some different things. Often people have been questioning this for like 20 years and haven't left. Um, so we want to give them some new and different questions and perspectives so that you can reach a really clear and confident choice. Um, it's very much about restoring your choice and autonomy so that you're doing that from a healthy place. Um, and then we, we, we're not here to, to ever to be saying, 
stay or go it's your you know we, we just want to give you some choice back and you back and and then you decide what your onward journey is for yourself you know yeah absolutely and I think that that's critical and I've said um, this on the podcast and I say it in the support groups that I run one of the things that I did during my separation because we were separated for two and a half years before we divorced and it was probably about nine months into well no probably about a year and a half into our separation we found out we were a neurodiverse couple but one of the things I did was I took in America we have senior high school portraits that are done their pictures Mm. Um, and I took my senior high school picture and I put it on my bookshelf that was right Mm. by my tv Mm. so literally every time I watched tv I saw you know 17 Mm. 18 year old Mona who Mm. was you know at the beginning of her life as an adult so that I could look back and see what parts of Mona that were beautiful and Mm -hmm. awesome and strong um, and empowering had I lost and not necessarily because of my ex-husband, but because Mm. I took on different roles that maybe were no longer the roles I needed to fulfill. Mm. So yeah, I love, I love this Mm. perspective that it's Mm. not, that your partner needs to change. Yes. yes it'd be wonderful if your yes. partner got on board with the change, but yes. I've seen many couples and you two are examples yes. where partners change at the rate they want to change if yes. at all, mm-hmm. but the changes you make create a much yes. more fulfilling and balanced yes. and happy life for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah that's right. Absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're on to our last and third myth that we're going to bust. Mm. And that is, and I hear this often, (laughs) if I do self-care and more things on my own or outside the relationship, things will get better. (laughs) And so we know for some folks that can be true, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, why this is a myth or isn't a myth. Well, the problem with that kind of um, outlook is personally, my story was that I went on a a complete self-care revolution um, (laughs) and I I kind of pretty much ended up in a pit because what I hadn't really worked out is all the holes that I had in my bucket. So I kept doing more and more and more to put more into this bucket of energy and um, it leaked out as fast as I could put it in. So um, you can just, if you do very superficial self-care, it can it can carry you for certain certain distance. Um, and I think there's just so much more to it. And I think we can get into, um, the other thing I felt very, um, I remember being very upset about, kind of, I felt it was really unfair because I was doing all this stuff and I still wasn't getting any better. And I, then I was starting to get really sort of, well, this isn't this isn't right you know I'm doing all the things that people say I should do to look after myself I'm doing this self-care thing but I didn't really um realize that I was still didn't have very good boundaries I still hadn't sort of really looked at the relationship dynamics I still hadn't you know healed like some of the stuff from mm. long ago you know there's just so much more going on and it's not you know somewhere in the line we kind of forgot about what got us to that point in the first place and and we also kind of got stuck between sort of either self-care and looking at strategies you know and Mm. and and 
you know there's more to it than that and I think it's um it, yeah that's an important message because we've had members come into oh yeah I've got this self-care thing like really sorted I'm doing this this and this and you know it sounds amazing and it's brilliant and I'm not knocking it either and they tell us that they're still stuck and not any happier and their capacity isn't any better and you think okay so there's more to it then isn't there and, and mm. that's what we're trying to offer and um, we're trying to bridge some of those gaps mm-hmm. yeah what do you think natalie thanks heather yeah yeah no absolutely i think same i think it was uh yeah it's those uh triggers that are still happening like stuff is going on in the relationship in like every day maybe tens of times a day um that doesn't have any better ways for it or that that we that we don't have any better ways to handle those and therefore all the energy that we might be gaining from um looking after ourselves better and learning how to do that um kind of just gets used up really easily and also because for a lot of us that maybe are having to start doing that um bringing more attention to ourselves and looking after ourselves um it's often new like um maybe we've not Mm. been doing it at all maybe our needs have been at the bottom of the pile for a long time maybe we don't even know what our needs are maybe we've forgotten how to do this and and we have to remember that therefore starting to even do that uses energy so we're often gaining energy but using energy to gain the energy if that makes sense so there's it's actually quite Mm. neutral to begin with so we have to be mindful of that as well. And I think the other thing that I I realised was happening for me and that I then had to start finding, again, some new ways for because what I wa- it wasn't giving me what I wanted. <laughs> and I'm mm-hmm. like, I need to figure out getting what I want. Um, was that I was, I hear it a lot as well. Like I'm doing more things on my own. I'm doing more things outside the relationship. I'm meeting my needs differently. And, and but maybe all that's bringing is more separation. And, mm-hmm. and there's this, uh, again, a bit of a myth or of the belief or the sense that, well, this just, this just separates us even more. Um, and so what we haven't got then perhaps are the ways to, to bring the relationship back into connection. Um, you know, so we end up in this place where we're basically now, we were kind of flatmates before, but now we're just flat flatmates and people who live together who just now do more separately. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and I can remember that point. And I think mm-hmm. that there's there's definitely um, a journey. I mean, people hate that word sometimes, but there, there certainly was for me that I actually needed to do some. There is a need to do that because often we, we talk, lots of people talk about they haven't got enough intimacy, but actually what's going on is a lot of destructive negative intimacy. So it's not that there isn't, it's just really not healthy. So um, what we have to do is we have to unravel and disentangle ourselves from negative, destructive, disconnecting intimacy, find our um, steadiness and I think reconnect with ourselves because remembering uh, you know a healthy relationship comes from a healthy me not I, I I'm healthy because our relationship so it goes the other way so I need to be healthy me um really good version of me and then I need better ways to to start to now I, now how do I re, we call it revitalizing connection how, how how on earth do I do that how do we start to reconnect and, and how do we do that when we are very different people um and 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 so we have to get again curious again and think just in the way that we might have been thinking what do I enjoy how does that work for me solo so that I'm better myself we have to have some new thoughts and ideas and and ways to um 
you know to start to think about how how we move back together and there are ways to do that um and i think that's that's a really another again we sort of think we do these things and so we do pull apart and that, that's a healthy thing we mustn't ignore that as a process and there's healing to do i think that's the gap that we often find people are doing that i'm now i'm now in this separate thing but often and i and i and i want to use these new strategies to solve things i want the solutions so i've done self-care i've got solutions maybe we haven't done that the healing bit so i think that's also really important that you've healed past hurts and you've got different a different sense of those and different relationship with those so then you're in a much better and stronger place to start to reinitiate revitalize connection and intimacy in a different way because you're not in the hurts and in the vulnerabilities and in the distress and destruction and disconnection of all the other things that pulled like pulled you apart and had you disentangled in a horrible mess <laughs> mm. um, if that makes yeah. sense yeah totally beautifully said ladies both of you and so I think Natalie what you said about the healing piece is mm. critical I hear this all the time mm. from the couples who attend the support groups that I mm. offer you know that there's been so much unintentional hurt so much yeah and right and so and the, and it's because of the unknown neurodiversity yeah. for so long, right? Yeah. You didn't yeah, understand and the unhealthy what he... relationship dynamics and that we're both, we're all stressed. Right. And, and yeah. yeah, so many different things that are happening. Yes. And then there's this unintentional hurt that has never been healed. Mm. And so finding the path forward to heal, mm. I think is really critical in alignment with the self-care but then i do hear over and over again because this is a tricky one they're yeah. all a little tricky but this yeah. is in particular because you know i hear uh, this went on in my marriage i mean i started traveling with my best friend from high school because mm -hmm. my ex-husband decided he didn't want to travel anymore and we had traveled throughout our relationship mm -hmm. but i think he got clear about what he needed um mm -hmm. and didn't communicate that to me just said yeah you want to travel on your own go ahead mm -hmm. <laughs> what i really wanted to hear from him is i love traveling with you and let's travel as together as well as you traveling with your best friend but that's not what i got but yeah. but i think what is helpful as you're on this journey of finding out what brings you joy and peace because I think both are important mm -hmm. and whether you call that self-care or you call that something else mm -hmm. um, understanding that when you met your partner and you both fell in love there were things that you enjoyed doing together. Mm -hmm. There were things that brought you joy when you were with each other. Mm -hmm. What happened to those things is something I think we need to ask ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I hear over and over again from couples, you know, that um, they feel that their autistic partner was masking and that they weren't being their true selves at the mm -hmm. beginning of the relationship. Mm -hmm. So the things I fell in love with yeah. were the masked version of them. Yeah. Yeah. So I think these are things that um, can come up in conversation. You may yeah. need a third party to help you in these conversations, whether it's a coach or a therapist or in a support group. But I think there's like, it's like the onion. There's so mm -hmm. many layers, right? To mm -hmm. unpeel. Yeah, sure. 
and mm-hmm. self-care is important, but so is healing. And so yeah. is finding what brought you, you know, joy as a couple and see if those things are still possible. I always recommend that couples go on date nights or, you know, spend time away from the kids or the craziness of life, whether that's once a month or it's once a week, whatever it is. If you don't spend time nurturing your relationship, I don't know how you have a healthy relationship moving forward. That's just my opinion. But I'd love to hear your thoughts about what I just shared. I think I think very often when we get into relationships, everybody's masking to a, to, to, sure. to a lesser or greater extent. Um, and I think also we often, we often say that, you know, we just forget what, what we enjoy doing. But the reality is life changes. I mean, I think about my relationship and, you know, we're we're just hanging out and we're having fun and we're traveling and we're having holidays and we're doing really, you know, and then we get the exciting thing. We buy a house and we buy things for the house and it's all, you know, but then actually we get more stressful jobs and then we have children and then we have financial issues and then we have, you know, things start stacking up. And, and I, I often wonder, you know, how much is it that we stop masking and just you know it's just our capacity right we run out of capacity and Mm. and things you know drop off and I think that's you know and to the extent that we handle the stresses and strains of that you know that I think that's really important um to consider as well you know we we say whether we've changed or not changed in the relationship or whatever but our 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 search circumstances and situations obviously we're going to change in how we react to those can maybe different um i know i've changed a lot i'm not the same person you know i've had four children and we had you know lots of heartache and stress and difficulties along the way um so i think i think there's a lot of a, a lot of that and so refinding ourselves and then you know then trying to find the energy and the re, you know to revitalize the connection I think it's really important still that we we keep that focus on us initially, and then then we find the ways to to move back into that more healthy connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes we grow apart, and I really yeah. do feel yeah. that you know a lot of couples do do that. Yeah, Heather, I yeah. totally agree. I think yeah. we do all mask at the beginning, and the question mm-hmm. is how much of the mask comes yeah. off as yeah. the relationship unfolds. Yeah. And I I do think that if you've grown apart and with, you know, assistance, whether again, it's a therapist or a coach or, mm-hmm. or clergy or whatever, you mm-hmm. can't find the way to reconnect again mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. You know, each partner gets to decide, is this yeah. still the right relationship for me? And, absolutely. you know, absolutely. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's the question. And I think it, it's it's walking into that with some curiosity. I know for us, it's it's been, been having to um, get creative and ha- have some, you know, to kind of the more clarity you start to have about what your individual needs, preferences, values, tolerances, limits are, um, you, you can start to work out, well, if this, this is your needs, preferences, tolerances, and this is my needs, preferences, tolerances, well, I... I wonder what the thing is. Is there a thing? What's the thing that would enable all of these needs, preferences and tolerances, values, aspirations to to exist together? Is that a thing? What would what is it? What is it? What could it be? And and I again, I'm not talking about sitting and having a for me. It's not been having a conversation with my partner that sounds like that specifically. It's about me getting 
firstly me getting really clear about those things and, and having some ways to connect with the possibility of those in someone else which we help people with and and so you so then you can create a lot of people talk about compromise and we need to compromise and we just don't buy into that strategy really in our network in um, loving difference and the retreat because generally when you're very different people that requires or is going to demand that you both or at least one of you or both of you give up a lot of your needs and preferences or who you are in order to meet somewhere in this middle that they talk about with compromise so the the journey that's i think part of why we end up so far from ourselves is because in order to meet the middle ground you you give up and compromise is founded on giving up something in order to meet somewhere in the middle so we approach it very very differently by getting much more clear about needs preferences all all these different things that we we help people find and then whether it's with your partner or with your son or your daughter or your brother or whoever it is whoever it is in your life what I wonder what is the thing or the relationship that allows all of these to be met and that starts to help you to know what distance or connection there is between you on any given thing because it could be different for different things and and what I can what what's good and and meets all of that for me in my relationship and I just choose to stay for another person they may look in from the outside at all of that and go well for me that wouldn't be sufficient and they would choose to say no that relationship isn't for me and that's where I think the choice comes in that journey is Mm -hmm. is to be able to look at it from that place and and make some make some decisions from a much um much healthier place basically does that make does that make sense Totally. And, and I, I don't like the word compromise either, Natalie, I prefer consensus. And I Mm -hmm. learned this like early in my career consensus is that you both agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. And, and what that means for me, and I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. So for me, in my marriage, eating dinner together almost every night was really important. But Mm -hmm. I didn't communicate that to my Mm -hmm. ex in a way that he could hear it in a way that was respectful. It was usually screaming, you know, (laughs) eating dinner alone every night when our daughter went to college, right? So and what he I think needed was he needed at least a half hour to an hour of his own time to decompress after he got home from work, or mm. he preferred to eat alone mm. most mm-hmm. nights mm-hmm. because he would look at his phone. He might answer mm-hmm. emails, but he didn't communicate that to me. Right. <laughs> so here we have, if, if we compromise, we're both going to end up feeling like shit. Yeah. Um, right. Resentful, Absolutely. judgmental, whatever. But if we had been clear about what we both needed and wanted, we could have come to consensus. We could have said, okay, you know, half of the nights uh, we will eat together, half of the nights we won't eat together. And that one, you know, that seventh day, you know, we'll just figure it out. You know, we'll kind of throw it up in the air. But we didn't. There was, there was compromise. I was begging for things that he Mm -hmm. would say yes to and then not follow through Mm -hmm. he was wanting to hear what I needed and really trying to please me but Mm -hmm. couldn't always do it and Mm -hmm. that what I hear often is or what I heard in my marriage was your expectations are too high and I hear that from a lot of couples Mm -hmm. and I hear Mm -hmm. that from a lot of individuals who are neurotypical or non-autistic you know I'm told my expectations are too high And maybe they are, 
And, mm-hmm. and then that's where you get to decide if your needs aren't being met or mm-hmm. whatever expectations you have of being in an intimate romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if there's no sexual or physical intimacy mm-hmm. and there never will be moving forward, is mm-hmm. that something you can accept? You yes. know, these yes. are, these are not easy, easy decisions to make. These are not easy myths to bust in your relationships but they're important to think about right Uh oh (laughs) yeah absolutely and and um yeah there's a and there's another word similar to your consensus i love that about what what's what is it that we can agree on you know what where can we find the agreement in here and and you know maybe there is some elements that i that part of it is not going to work for me or this part is and then there's another word that i stumbled across called consonants which you, you won't there's not loads about it but it is related to compatibility it's more about compatibility and finding the 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 sense in which um again all you'd find the compatibility between variables or between like as we're saying needs preferences tolerance uh, because i think that's also a big one in our relationships about what people can tolerate or not tolerate it's particularly around sensory stuff and and social and various other things Um, but also what your aspirations are and what your values are what's really important to you so consonants looks at how you um how you create a compatibility and a harmony of those things um such that such that all of them are met and that that you know i think is is quite i think it's quite ambitious but i i think it's a it's a it's a nice ambition and aspiration to have particularly as a family um uh, i often think about it a bit like if you were cooking a meal or a week of meals it would be about how you do that in a way that would meet everyone's tastes and dietary needs. So everyone enjoyed the experience and weren't sick afterwards. Mm. So if you were cooking a meal, for example, if people have got different preferences, needs, tolerances around food, then as a family, we would do our best to like, what is the way that we are going to all eat together so that everyone gets what they need and nobody's sick after. And I think that that has helped me have an analogy to be able to think, how does our, how do I like what's my version of that inter- inside myself so that I'm not sick with mm-hmm. myself? What's the re- what's the version of that that would be in my in my in intimate relationship with my husband? What is it in our family of four and then with my, with five when my son's back from France? And, you know, what is it that we can be compatible with each other? Um, so that none of us is sick it, emotionally, physically, mentally, all those kinds of things. And, that you know, it's, it's no doubt that that can be challenging. But I think that's the that's the challenge that we're really interested in, passionate about supporting people to find and give them some tools and resources and ways to do that. Because um, I think there's not a lot of resources or uh, support around to figure that out, you know, because it's a literally an everyday loads of different kinds of situations kind of a thing. Um, like it, you said, totally down to goes... eating together, or for us, it's like even what spoon is on the table to serve the pie, or you know, a, so many different things that need thinking about, from the small things to the, you know, much bigger things around um, all kinds of other stuff that are much bigger than that. Clearly, yeah, I like that analogy, Heather. Yeah. You were going to say something. Thanks. Nick. Yeah, I was just, I was just, I was just going to say, and it, and it goes so much more beyond like communication. We often yeah. get people coming and wanting to focus on communication. And, and to really get that clarity and to get to that place where you're open and curious about consonants and that kind of thing, it's 
there's 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 stuff to do beforehand and um, mm. before you start going the the, the communication in, in the end is kind of the strategy on 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 the top that you're going to perhaps use but it's it's just one element and we often say that that's a, a very small percentage of everything that's going yeah. on in the, in the interaction anyway, isn't it? So, mm. yeah, there's a lot there's a lot to it and it's right. fascinating and we could probably yeah. talk all, um, <laughs> all year. For, for so you week, might have yeah. to stop us a minute. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I think, I think we are at the end. I want to repeat for the folks that are listening the three myths that we oh. attempted to bust and I think we We have. should give them the truth don't you think? Do you think that we need to actually give them the truth rather than the but the myth? Yeah, no, let's like, do that. What's the truth? Well, you go ahead. You go ahead. Okay. Uh, oh gosh. Okay. So, so no, but well, it's I, not I was, all about neurodiversity. That's the truth. Not all right. about. Yeah. If you if you're Loads only focused on neuro, if you're only focusing on neurodiversity, you're missing a lot. If you're only focusing on relationship issues, you're missing a lot. So it's right. yeah, combining those two. That's where you can absolutely have a lot of change, and things can be better. That's okay. that's the truth. That's the first that one. one. Yeah, that's the yeah. first one. So the truth for the second one. The truth. So yeah, that's about you can do this on your own. You know, you don't yeah. have to make your partner join in. You don't have to mm. make or get them anywhere or do anything for anyone else. This is you in choice doing what you doing. Because yeah. some one of the things people ask is, uh, why do I have to do all the work? And it's because you're going to have a really much better experience <laughs> and you're going to yeah. feel a lot better. So yeah, yeah. It, you can some, and we try and make it fun too so you can do it you can have some fun you can get connected as much as you want or as little as you like in there and you, and you can do this regardless of um capacity or interest from your partner yeah yeah and yeah. you can change your whole experience it's not like just change of like five percent or something we're not really we're not here for that either like we, we absolutely are confident and believe you can change your whole experience by focusing on yourself um, yeah. and, and that's what we're about to change, anyone, change else. anyone else yeah 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 before before we move on and I want to just add for those folks that as they begin the change because Natalie and Heather are still in their marriages and I am not mm. if the change leads to you wanting to make the decision to leave the relationship absolutely. that's okay and absolutely. I just want folks to totally. yeah hear that too yeah, so yeah, this, no, yeah. Yeah, I know. So, so you are, we're on the third one. And the third truth is. Uh, it's not just about like self-care. <laughs> more than that. It's more yeah. than that. Um, yeah. So there's recovering and healing in new ways. And, um, and yeah. then things will get better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> things will get better by focusing on yourself. Like, yes to the self-care. Yes to doing things. Um, that m make you feel good um, and um, let's do the healing let's do the recovery let's deal with the things that are triggering and why and all that shenanigans and um, yeah and, and and yeah when you do that things will get better yeah and and I I think that those truths are really great and I also want to say that you know your neurodiverse relationship may look different than any other relationship you have ever seen or experienced. Yeah. And, right. <laughs> and so you may live in separate states. 
You may live in separate cities. You may live next door to each other in a duplex. You may divide the house in half and each have separate, you know, quarters. You may just eat meals together and not sleep in the same bed. It doesn't matter what your relationship looks like as long as it works for both of you and you both are, you know, consenting adults and agree to it because it's okay to be different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think um, the other thing, the other thing, Mona, I was going to say to that is absolutely here, here to that is that the we often think I I I can remember this really that um even when I was starting to think oh we're going to find some new ways and you know even when I was finding some new ways that were better I still very much had in my head and in my body and everything still what I thought that the the outcome needed or should be and Mm -hmm. I think that's I think that's the other thing is that um is that the I mean the relationship that I have now with my husband is it's kind of all the things I wanted and none of the things because Mm -hmm. it isn't the relationship that I would have 10 years ago imagined it is beyond imagination because any at any point you're imagining you can go beyond your current thinking but only so far beyond your current thinking so it's only as you start traveling and you you start to shift on some of these things we're talking about today that actually what also starts to shift is your imagination and being open to other possibilities and it and and i i I, i've sort of thought thought at times oh well maybe we will end up in different houses maybe it will look like some of the exactly some of the things you said and it's not that those haven't maybe been in my imagination at some points but actually it hasn't it hasn't been that in the end for us at all and actually it's more it's closer and has it's more entwined back to you know not again not how it used to or how i thought it should be or any it's just it's just totally different and new so I think it's does that make sense it's kind of being open to it sort of that you don't you can't you don't necessarily have you can't foresee it because there's change to make that makes sense yes I I totally make sense and I think to put it in um my words I would say that you know when you go into a store to buy a new outfit you Mm. don't try on the first thing usually and say okay that's it I'm out out of here in two Uh, minutes right uh, that's not how most uh, people shop right uh, but you go and you try on different outfits and you may buy multiple outfits and then return some so I think that's how any relationship can function but I think with the neurodiverse relationship you may try out you know living in separate quarters or you may try out living in separate bedrooms or sleeping in separate bedrooms and it may not work after a few weeks, a few months, a few years. Yeah. And in any relationship, you can take the opportunity to revisit, you yeah. know, what's working and what's not. Yeah. And I can't yeah. remember where I heard it. I think it was on a podcast that every year this couple, I want to say they were married and I don't yeah. know that they were in a neurodiverse relationship, but they kind of re-up their yeah. contract, yeah. their marriage yeah. contract, relationship yeah. contract. Yeah. And how wonderful that would have been, I think, in my marriage, if Mm. every year we had looked at our priorities and our needs and our wants and our tolerances and all the other things, our dreams, Mm. I think we would have maybe made some adjustments. I don't know that we would have stayed together, but we would have made some adjustments and maybe not hurt each other so much. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're 
we're definitely at the end. So I would love if you guys have one last comment that you want to share, feel free to, and then, you know, tell folks where they can find um, both of you. If they want yeah, to get I think my my comment would just be um, that none of like again this is there's no destination like it is a it is totally a journey and it is um it's not fixed like you're not fixed your identity is not fixed your life's not fixed your relationships not all fixed it's not about you know a fixed thing that and a destination and getting there it's being open to that how the, exactly what you're just saying and even if you can't sit down and do that up leveling or whatever together you absolutely can do it with yourself and it undoubtedly you it will ripple there will be a ripple effect um beyond yourself so that's that's for sure yeah yeah and where can people and then we can give the website yeah heather i i was really very similar i was going to say like openness you know what what we what we sometimes don't realize is that we have very fixed ideas and, mm. and those come from stories and narratives and also from the state our nervous system's in. Uh, and when we shift some of that baggage and, and, and have a bit more flexibility in all of that, we just new possibilities open up. You know, we can just, you know, have different, you know, change and just drop all those expectations and, mm. um, and, and things that have very different, different um, goals, maybe. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. Come and hop in. Um, awesome. yeah, like, so, like Mona said at the beginning, Love Indifference is a free community and you can find that at loveindifference.net. And inside of there, you can join us, our revival retreat on a subscription basis, which is um, a monthly, you know, stay as long as you want to, leave when you need to, come back ever, you know, when you want to, you're in control. Um, yeah. And we'd love to see you there. Mm. And if... If folks want to contact either one of you individually, is the best place for them to contact you in Loving Difference? Or do you have other places for them to contact you? Yeah, you can, basically our white website. So yeah. you can get me at Heather, um, heatherparks.co.uk. And I'm at nataliroberts.com. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> Ladies, another... Oh, and the podcast. And, and the podcast. Oh, yes. Our, our podcast is over on wherever the same place as Mona's but myth myth busting neurodiverse relationships podcast um yeah up alongside yours Mona awesome awesome well as always it was fabulous talking to both of you and great conversation that I know is going to be helpful to a lot of folks so thank you both for doing another collaborative podcast I appreciate it thank you Mona Mona. stay well you too take care (laughs) Bye. bye